you for joining U Choice Radio. This is the Whatever Podcast with your hosts, Tony Draper, Silo, and Beats Gordy. We have a great interview today with Melvin Jackson Jr., Emmy nominated actor, comedian, writer, producer, was in The Wire as Bernard in season two. Also, in Everyone Hates Chris as a Bully and much more. So stay tuned. We have a great interview for you. We're going to talk some real stuff. Keep it real like we always do. Let's go. Come back and get fresh on them too, real quick. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Where you at, man? Oh, man. <laughs> Start a pull or something, man. Yeah, Emmy ready. <laughs> yeah, we got it. I mean, we got Emmy, Emmy ready for oh, a special episode. Good right. thing about it, man. Used to have a basketball short. So, uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all niggas ain't got no pants on. I know it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> y'all, niggas, y'all niggas ain't got no bottoms on. <laughs> I ain't got no socks on, man. <laughs> These niggas got those sports jackets, button up shirts, and boxers. <laughs> Y'all ain't fooling me. Yeah, he also did uh, uh Eddie Murphy yeah. too. movie too. You heard me? Curtis, Curtis yeah, Blow, Curtis yeah. Blow. You got the screen. I ain't oh you got a clip. They don't have the clip. They had the clip on before. I thought uh it was still up. So I had to um I had to go find it on the uh the B T app that I get uh that I get crucified for. <laughs> People get mad when they find out I pay for BET app. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> Apple TV got some bull, bro. They uh they make you sign in through your Apple account, or I can't do that. So I got it on one TV, and on my Apple TV, I can't put it on there. So I got the seven-day trial. I'm going to milk it on one TV. Right. Uh, you see me? I got too expired by nothing, man. It's like I didn't got a dick. What uh, season you on now? Yeah, I had to go steal the back. That shit was fired on the back. 
season one still episode 24 like i'm telling you my kids like it that that's how you know it's a classic beanie be like hey dad put it on mark hey (laughs) season two and three take it to the next level then it just plummeted four and five That's when Gina messed it up, huh? Duh, when you watch it, and now that I'm older, I can understand, but in season four, that's when he probably started smoking weed. Because you can tell he blows. Uh, they start adding them, like, uh, the uh, laugh tracks. Like, it don't seem like it's a live audience. And it, it don't it don't feel right. You know what I mean? So, but, yeah, he was looking. I was about to ask, like, do, do anybody do that anymore? Like, some shit with a like live audience? audience? Um, yeah. I don't know. Because I think the the, the Tyler Perry uh, show, like, House of Pain and the Browns, it sounds like it's a live track. You know, um, the Wayne Brothers, uh, in their first season, they actually had uh, Anthony Anderson in the audience. So in some episodes, you can hear Anthony Anderson laughing. He got a real distinct laugh where he, like, overdo it. So in some episodes of Wayne Brothers, you can hear Anthony Anderson in the background laughing. And that's the funniest shit. But you can always hear some of those things. It's like they share laugh tracks because on some TV shows, you hear, like, a long, a long laugh, and then it pause, and then you hear this woman like, go, girl! <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Nigga. Uh, um, you see that football post Dalo posted today in the group? That was nasty. It was basically who was the best defense, like an all-star defense. Right. And, uh, I think everybody, it was everybody was saying four or three, huh? Like four had, who had, it had Ed Reed, man, Ray Lewis. Like who y'all think? Like the best linebacker safety combo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was, uh, I think three had. Yeah, everybody saying four and three. I think three had Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, uh, and who was the corners? I think the Rare Revis. No, not the Rare Revis. Had uh, Asante Samuel Jr. Troy Palomalu. Damn, I forgot who the other corner was. Uh, I got a it was uh for three, and yeah, Palomalu Reed. Then it had the twenty two from the Eagles, uh, and twenty. Uh, I think that's Charles Woodson and Ray. Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles Woodson and Asante Samuel was the corner. Two safeties was Palomalu with Ed Reed. But, and five, that shit. That's that, yeah, five had a had a nasty group too. They had Brian Erlacher, uh, Darrell Revis, Chant Bailey, John Taylor, Brian Dawkins. Two players. It was Lynn Bias, 
who got drafted who never played, but there was also one who had a heart condition, uh, Reggie Lewis, who actually played yeah. a few seasons. And it's, I think it's it's the game where he gave uh, Jordan some work before that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But he actually played with he actually played with Bird and uh, Mikael and Paris. All right, here you come, fellas. All right, you got it, Phil. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to cue it up now. No, I'm saying I'm about to let him in. I'm talking about you uh, with the clip. Yeah, the opening. Well, um, yeah, opening. Yeah, we got um Emmy nominated actor. Um, he's done stand up uh, as well. Uh, he's also been featured in uh, TV series like The Wire. Uh, also, Everybody Hate Chris. Uh, he played Curtis Blow in the uh, New Edition story. And we have him here today, Mr. Melvin Jackson Jr. How you doing, sir? Good. How you doing? What's going on, fella? All right. Welcome to the Whatever Podcast. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's our Emmy day, so we had to get... We were the Emmy winner. So we got yeah, we got no, 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 no. They trying to make me look bad. No, they trying to make me look bad. They ain't got no pants on. Don't, don't trust them. Along the way, would be great as well. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask questions as far as like when you got into doing big projects, what did you take away from those projects that increased your uh, repertoire to go follow another uh, path or go to another uh, project? What did you take from those uh, projects what individually? I took, what I took away from it, man, was that every key, every person involved was important. You know, from the person handling the lights, the person um, doing the grip, just everything, every job was um, important to getting the, the task done. That was creating, shooting a movie, shooting a TV show. So what I just started doing was looking at behind the scenes, not just what was happening in front of the camera, but also how it all came together. And I thought it was uh, amazing um, chemistry and, and amazing, like an orchestra. You know, one, one you can't, you can't um, have a full uh, orchestra without certain pieces to the puzzle. And so I understood that any little thing that went wrong with, on one situation created a domino effect. So for me, it was also just learning what people behind the scenes do. You know, I think for me, it was seeing the importance of what we do as actors, but also understanding like we're just half of it, and we're like we're just a tip of the iceberg. Uh, our question would be: I, I did a little research, and I've seen uh, you grew up over. I believe. Yes, I do. Uh, I spent a little time. Yeah, that's also was an athlete. So does that? Do you carry like uh, the athlete chip on your shoulder, like the Mamba mentality, so to speak, and your acting? And could you just speak on just your upbringing a little bit and how it developed you? Well, I'm a person? competitor, man. So I think, you know, definitely being an athlete and, you know, always wanted to compete and never liking and understanding when you lost, like, how can you get better? And what, what do you learn from those losses? For me, sometimes that I lost, it was because I, I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare more than the next person. I thought that my, my talent alone would get me to, to, the, to the next stage and that wasn't true. And I learned that, that, you know, you can always stay stagnated where you are, but someone is always who, who you may beat before is gonna get better. And if you don't rise up to the challenge to be, to not to be unbeatable, but in a situation, put yourself in the best situation, then you're gonna fail. And so for me, same thing as an acting. I got into the business, not taking any acting classes, just straight, straight off the streets pretty much. And so for me, my mentality was like, well, dang, if I did that, I can keep going and don't I don't necessarily need to take acting classes, but I had to start looking at the greats and like Will Smith and, and um, Denzel Washington, who always constantly had, you know, acting coaches and continue to work on their craft. And I said, well, what, well, what makes me better than them? If they have acting coaches, if they have people who constantly help them get better, what makes me any different? And, and what makes me better than them? So I had to understand that I can always shop my tool. So I started working with. Uh, with acting coaches and one-on-one -on -one and just kind of trying to be better because you always want to be better than an actor because when you're in a scene with somebody, you don't want to get blown away. You want to be able to, to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And so that's what it, it it is. It's like even the point of being ready for an audition. Like the way I audition is different now because I used to go in there like, man, I got to book this role. I got to get it. I got to get it. Putting all that pressure on on myself when it's already pressure enough, just trying to go in there and be be present. So now I try to go and have fun. Now I try to just be embody whatever character that I'm playing. And sometimes it's hard when you don't necessarily believe in what you're reading. So that's always the key is making sure that you actually believe what you're saying and that you as that that person believe what you're saying, not you as the, 
me, you know, sometimes like, oh, I wouldn't say that, but it's like, I'm not, it's not me saying it, it's the, it's the character. So that's always one of the things that I have to look, you know, push myself to make sure that I'm always giving my all, giving my best and making sure that um, I leave no tables unturned. Yeah, that's one thing, man, when you, especially when you're going, to go, going up with somebody that's a higher level, man, it's, it's hard to not look up to them and compete with them at the same time, man, but I don't know that, man, but... I think the thing is, man, for so long, um, growing up when someone, um, you know, being called crazy, people are, you know, they might know what it is and people are like, oh, that person's crazy or, you know, to have mental issues in the black community is frowned upon. Um, now where it's kind of to come out of it a little bit where now people, you see athletes talking about mental health and, you know, speaking about it, even um, other celebrities, how, you know, we all have been depressed at some point in time. And so we don't know how sometimes how to deal with that. Some people go into a deeper depression than others. And so I always feel like it's important to speak about mental health and suicide prevention because um, it's important. You know, I, I, and for me, it hit home back in 2014 when my father committed suicide, um, you know, he shot himself. And so for me, that was an eye-opener, like, man, like, we really have to continue to talk about this thing and, and make me care more about people and when they're going through things and, like, man, how can I, how can I help can I pray? You know, I pray, like, how can I be a support system? Because I understand that, that sometimes you, uh, our problem is bigger than somebody else's. And sometimes it's okay to put our problems to the side to deal with someone else because they may not be able to get to the next day as you, as you, you know what I mean? You may, they may not handle your, their situation as best as you do. For me, it's always important to make sure that we continue to be an advocate for mental health and that we don't speak enough about, especially as men, we don't share our emotions, our feelings, and we try to embody it in and, when we crown over a woman or whatever you're tripping up, dude's like, man, stop being a punk, stop. You know, it's always these things that make you feel bad about how you how you feeling, but we got to continue to just uplift and support each other. Appreciate it. I like that. That's a lot. That was real. Uh, I had a question. Uh, you were saying when you first started, you pretty much you just started off the streets, just off the strength of your own back. Back then, it probably, social media wasn't strong like it is now. And, for us, we, that's us right now. We just trying to make it all off the strength, and luckily we got social media. How did you do it? And like, like just like a little insight on your blueprint and how you feel like the, the ball got rolling. For me, I, I've always been hustler, man. I, I I never continue to try to wait for things to come my way. I, I always had like the uh, the street team mentality, as you know, in music you got your street team, people promoting, um, you know, a new artists putting flyers. Like that was me. Um, anybody did uh, like an intern a little bit for a uh, record company, but just for me, it's like I understand that if you want people to know about the product that you have, you got to continue to bring it to, to, to people. You got to take it to them. You can't wait for them to come to you. So it's like you got to almost hype yourself up more than than than, than you. I'm saying, I'm saying you, you almost got to overhype yourself in a sense. You got to sell it, but you got to make sure that you live on what you're selling. So for me, it's always making sure that. I'm not just hyping myself up, but I'm also bringing you 
value to, to what I'm telling you. So for me, like when I started building my track record, I didn't have to I didn't have to blow smoke up people, you know, at, at you know their butt. It was just simply like, yo, this is what I do, and simply now you see what it is that I'm able to do, and I think that started people's eyes started to to definitely focus on what I was doing, and so it was all of, always about building a uh, track record, build, building a, a platform so that people not only, you don't have to talk about it anymore. People just can only see it. So now I have a library of stuff that I've done. I'm like, hey, here's my catalog. You can look through it and see what I can or can do. And if you still have doubts, then it's like, okay, now I'll show you what I can do. Mm-hmm. I feel that. That's, I love that. That's why we appreciate you joining us because you're helping us build that. Like, I have a quote for that. It's like, uh, you, I bet you feel like the person you used to pretend to be, or also you bite off more than you can chew, and then you get it done, basically. So I, I feel you 100%. Absolutely, man. I commend you, brother, for doing what you're doing, man. Every, every job's important. Everything is important. I feel like you got to use your, your platform. And now social media has definitely opened up doors that we didn't have when I was coming in the game about 20 or so years ago. So um, we, we're evolving with the times. And we have to continue to use our voices and continue to um, be creative, man. That's important, to be creative with our time. Uh, one more question for me. Uh, for an actor trying to get in the game, do you think an agent is necessary? Um, well, first you have to first you have to become viable to an agent. Because sometimes if you're just looking for an agent, it's almost like... Uh, looking for a record deal. You want a record deal, but you have no music to put out. You haven't, you haven't put out any music. They don't know, you don't have any music, or you have a demo reel. So for me, if you're looking for an agent, you need to create your demo reel. You know, you need to do the work. You know, so most times you can, you can get with somebody and just shoot scenes, just so you can have different characters that you play. Um, even if it's not in a show or TV show, you can actually just shoot them yourself and put together your own demo reel. So at least they have something to go off of, of what you can and can do. Some agents will take people, um, they'll have them do a cold reading or, or something like that. But they also sometimes, it's almost like when you're trying to get your first job. They always would tell you, well, you need experience. Well, you're like, well, how can I get experience if I don't, if you don't give me a job? So it's not, sometimes it's the same thing with acting. They want someone with, with a little bit more experience. But you're like, if I don't have representation, if I don't have anyone helping me, how can I get, get experience? Well, other platforms you need going to that you don't need an agent to submit yourself for um, auditions and you have actors access, LA casting, um, different things that's out there that you can, you don't necessarily need an agent because I got the wire without an agent. I had a, I didn't have an agent until I moved to California. And, you know, for me, it was always, I had the, the, the mindset of a manager. So I used to manage artists. So it's like, I knew how to manage. And so I had to manage myself a little bit. I had to kind of be the, the, the mouthpiece and, um, and speak for myself and, and, and put myself out there, submit my own uh, headshot and resumes uh, when things were kind of done through mail. So you got to really take matters in your own hand. You can't wait if, if you're looking for an agent, but you great, but you have to give an agent a reason to even want to take a meeting with you. So if you have nothing, if you haven't took the steps, if you're not taking acting class, if you don't have headshots, then you don't go to an agent before you have those things because they're going to look at you like, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm. So I see you done certain projects as far as uh, Eddie Murphy. Um, you're also doing uh, Puff. You did Puff Daddy. Uh, you're working on uh, portraying corrupt. 
as well. Uh, your very first project where you portray someone was actually Curtis Blow. So when you are actually portraying a person, do you go real in depth in the um, the personality traits and things that you won't see right away from that person on camera? Yeah, man. I think one of the, the hardest things an actor is to play, portray someone else. It's one thing to portray a character, but to portray someone that's actually living or has lived, and you, someone that has something to base your performance off of, it's very um, intimidating. And so playing someone like Curtis Blow was very intimidating because it's not something that I that I wanted to do. It's the opportunity to happen, and I was able to embody him without having to try to embody him. I think that was the thing I was looking I was doing my research and looking at things. I was like, man, he kind of sounds like Kanye in some of the um, the videos. And so I didn't, for me, I didn't want to get caught up on trying to imitate him, but more so embody him as a person. And so when I got the gist of, of what it was that the director wanted, which is Chris Robinson, an amazing director, um, when I knew that what he wanted to, to, to get out of me in the sense of, you know, when, some, when you're a, a big icon like Curtis Blow and now you're having to open up for a little kid, how would you feel? And you know, New York folks, they got that, Dorado, they got that ego type of thing, and it's like all, all from the chest type of thing. So yeah. I had to be like, wait a minute, how how if I was him, how would I react in this situation? And so I, I feel like I tried to be bring humility to it and understand that. And people who know Curtis Blow, it's like man, that was spot on. And that was without me trying. When I stepped on 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 scene on on set, I I felt with the spirit of Curtis Blow. Like I, I him without trying to. As soon as I got on set. It was like, what up, Curtis Blow? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, I got into that without truly trying to like, get into it. So that was uh, almost like an out-of-body experience. And I, I think that was just something beautiful that we were able to create. Um, and I was happy with my performance. Did you ever reach out to um, Curtis Blow? I know I was watching um, the Wu-Tang, uh, American Saga, or whatever. I know some of the actors, they was able to talk to, you know, dude was able to talk to Raekwon and vice versa and stuff. Like, like hey, this this how I say it, whatever, man. So, were you able to reach out to Curtis Blow as far as like get advice for that? No, I actually did, man. I, I didn't meet him until afterwards, um, and it was interesting because um, uh, I, I was the one who broke the news to him that uh, he was in in the movie, and so um, that was an interesting situation. <laughs> and so that was dope. Um, we we connected, and um, you know we vibed, and of course he had he had his issues about how he was portrayed in the, in the story because he was like. I didn't say that to the kids about the um, the Nation of Islam, which he did, and that was something that was uh, added by the, the writer. Um, and, you know, he was just, you know, didn't didn't like how he was portrayed. I don't think, I think he could have explained it in a sense to where, like, I mean, I would have felt the same way if I'm king of New York and I got to open up for some, some kids, like, who wouldn't feel a certain kind of way? So it wasn't like he was hating, but they didn't show that also that he mentored them afterwards. He saw how good they were. And he went on a, on a road with them, and he, you know, he kind of mentored them a little bit. So it, it, it's all these things that when you put strings to when that's another thing you got to worry about is like the backlash of being someone feel a certain kind of way about, you know, you were uh, portraying them. But he loved my portrayal of him. Um, and so that was a good thing. I definitely got his, his approval as far as how, how I did. I've yeah. seen that a lot of the Tupac movie. He got, he got a lot of backlash. So I'm like, man, they, they can't pick the whole man. Life, man. <laughs> Two hours, man. Like, right. a good movie, but... <laughs> yeah, I think you got to beat him too. You got to do what Antoine Fisher did. He just wrote and directed his own movie. Yeah, 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's the favorite person uh, that you actually portrayed? Um, Eddie Murphy, man. Eddie Murphy. Okay. He, he, you know, he's the goat, man. He's the someone. He's the reason why I became an actor, comedian, and um, that was someone I really didn't have to. I don't say dig deep to, to portray. It was simply like, you know, everyone can try to do the voice and everything, but it's also getting the embodying his, his personality. And, you know, when he's not sometimes I mean, like now he don't really do that laugh. Like he would do that laugh and I'm like he doesn't really do that laugh and, um I don't know if it was just a gimmick thing he did, but it came became, you know, a sig- signature. So for me it's it's like embodying him as a person and, and who he is. So that was always, you know, a thing that was just exciting to not only to portray him, but to get nominated for an Emmy for portraying him. So that was always, um, you know, a rewarding experience. How did you feel when you got that news? And it was it was amazing. My wife actually told me because I um, we both were on the ballot, and I called her to tell her she was nominated. And so she asked about me, and I was like, I don't know. I just saw she was nominated. I just got excited and called her. And so she looked and saw my name, and she's like, babe, you you nominated too. So it was just, it was an amazing experience because I got to experience it with, with my, my wife. And, you know, we became the first African-American married couple to be nominated in the same year for an Emmy, which was, like, dope. You know what I mean? So um, and when you work hard, man, it, it, it pays off. And I think for me it was just a support system that we had. Now, it's not expecting it to happen. But that it did, it was simply God. I was like, man, it's all God. There's no explanation um, for us both to be nominated. Like that, that was just insane. Uh, what do you have in the pipeline next? And are are you still mostly like uh, doing things independent? And what type of uh, capacity does it take to still keep win and keep wanting to win, basically? Well, hopefully what happened to Pipeline Man is season, uh, volume two of this book. It's called The Ventures of Jimmy the Fly. Um, it's an uh, children's book me and my wife uh, wrote. So we're going to try to get, get this volume two um, out hopefully this year. I'm working on a domestic violence documentary called um, I'm a Survivor, No Longer a Victim. I felt it was important to help tell stories, not just women's stories, but men's stories too, about the domestic violence. Um, those who have been abused, those who are ex-abusers, all these things that we continue to um, want to continue to talk about and, and figure out how can we, we help solve some of these problems. And I'm um, doing a lot of things behind the scenes on the independent, you know, definitely with the producing side of things. Um, just just helping getting some things, um, you know, cr- uh, created, um, helping produce a couple of films, um, possibly TV shows. So, yeah, man, just definitely just trying to stay active during this time. It's really sometimes, it's kind of hard with the COVID 19 happening. And kind of shut it everything down, and then we're also dealing with the the injustice and the the protests, things that we're trying to get um, resolved for us as African Americans. So it's always important, man, for us to use our voice. And I and lately I had been uh, very creative in the mindset of wanting to create. I wanted to make sure that I use my voice to be um, active in this this movement. I never considered myself an activist, but I said um, I've become active, and I've been activated to to be. Um, more, more, more helpful and more useful in, in the cause and doing my part. You know, telling people to go vote, telling you know, constantly speaking about what's happening to our people. The George Floyd situation, Breonna Taylor is of the world. Uh, Elijah, what's Elijah? What's Elijah's last name? Uh, um, you know, we keep finding out about new people. 
every day, man. Some people that stuff that happened five, six months ago, and it's just like, like think about how many other people that don't that, that we don't know about. Right. And I'm gonna tell you one thing that I do know is that black people are not committing suicide by hanging themselves in a tree. That's what we not. We know that, yeah. The most serious upsetting. That one is upsetting about uh, what's going on in Texas and Cali. Crazy, yeah. man. But well, we gotta continue. You know, we gotta continue to use our voices, man. We gotta. And, that, and what, what, what hurts my heart sometimes is that we still out there killing each other. That's it. it well, even what we going through, man. Like we we trying to come to the United Front. You see Chicago. Went from Memorial Day killings happening over there, Father's Day, killing kids getting killed. It's crazy, man. It's like, man, when will it stop? When we when we get in our mindset, like, okay, enough is enough. We're not we we're not we're not each other's enemy. Whatever beef we have, we gotta put that to the side. We gotta continue to to push forward, especially if the Bloods and Crips could could come to a truth, you know, involving around Nipsey Hustle and everything. We we man, we 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 got so much further to go, but understanding that we're getting there, we gotta start our own community. Right. Something I preach all the time, man. Like, yo, once we all come together, like, it, we'll be a, a powerful force. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, man. Like, if we all come together as a community, a black community, man. Like, I don't think anybody and can. And from the right behind you, man, <laughs> Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, man, two different Back. brothers from two different perspectives, had two different beliefs, but understood that the, the overall thing was to, to bring people, to our black people together yep. and unite, right. you know, and so, man, if you haven't, then there, there's a good um, play called The Meeting uh, that my buddy does, and it's it's, it's, it's an imaginary meeting about Martin Malcolm X and how that meeting would be so understand they understand you know Martin was about that type of thing. It was just they had different different um, ideology, but understood the same thing. They wanted the same thing. They wanted their people to to be over you know to overcome optimism. Right. Yes, sir. It's actually surrounded by the uh, infamous picture of them shaking hands, yeah. and they actually said people know about this meeting. Actually, Salo got it right behind them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, people want to was wondering what was said in that meeting. Nobody really knows, so people actually draw their own conclusion. I've seen some colleges had assignments where they partnered people up in the nineties, right. and it was portrayed on Different World, and they had to actually create dialogue from that meeting and present yeah, it to the class. Jeff, Jeff Setson, I don't know if you know Jeff uh, Setson. He actually did a play about this called The Meeting. And that's what they redid. Um, yeah, one of the uh, actors from Five Heartbeats played in. Uh, my buddies are out there um, from from, you, um, from uh, Miami. Oh yeah, um, uh, who played Dresser? The guy who played Dresser on Five Heartbeats. That's how he was discovered. He played uh, Malcolm X in a, a, a stage play uh, version of the meeting as well. Oh wow. Yep, but um. While we got you uh, here, we about to wrap it up. Uh, let's let's uh, get into some of your uh, social media. Uh, pl- uh, uh, I'm sorry, social media platforms and uh, what you working on next. Did you hear me? Um, social media is Melvin Jackson. Uh, everything. I'm sorry, Melvin Jackson. Just working on just being a. Uh, Blessing to others, I want to open up opportunities, open up opportunities for others, and 
continue to use my, my platform, man. Uh, I think a lot of people that we should be our first uh, motivation. When we wake up in the morning, we should look at ourselves in the mirror and be able to motivate ourselves. But that doesn't work for everybody. So for me, I'm always trying to inspire people and motivate people that you can you can believe in yourself, you can um, better yourself and win. But you gotta you gotta believe in yourself. I always use Kanye West as a prime example. He knew before anybody else when he said he was going to be great. He also said you have to talk, talk crazy. But he, you have to believe in yourself. You have to set the bar so high for yourself that you only you can achieve it. And so when you will see the vision and you see the dream and you know that you can make it a reality, and when it happens, people are like, oh, man, he was, he was on to something. Now they won't doubt him anymore, I bet. Now, you know, so now when you set, when you set the bar high and you achieve it and people see what you achieve, they won't doubt you anymore. They actually will believe in you even more. And be like, you know what? I'm putting my money on him. When they normally would bet on somebody else, they only gonna bet on themselves. But they're like, you know what? I'll, I'll keep that gamble on you because you seem to have your head on, on the right, on the um, you know, right, right on. Okay. Uh, it might cut off on us, but one more question: uh, What's the book you could tell us uh, we should read? What book and right now, read? I'm listening. I'm listening to the auto version of uh, Fifty Cent's book. Uh, get um, hustle hard, hustle harder. Uh, Hustle Smarter. Like, it's really good. He's giving some gems. Uh, definitely something you should check out. And, uh, yeah, man, definitely can't go wrong with the Bible. <laughs> That's right. We thank you again, man. <laughs> it was great having you. I appreciate it. We really appreciate you coming. Yeah, man. appreciate it, man. I have a blessing. Yes, sir. Take it easy. All right, that was a good one, fellas. I'm about to connect with him right now see um, what time we're going to uh, connect with him. That was Melvin Jackson Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Once again, from The Wire, Bernard from The Wire, Season 2. Thanks for joining us on U-Choice Radio, the whatever podcast on Spotify and Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you join us next week, U-Choice Radio.